There has been a mixture of heartache and joy over the past five Raptor postseasons. After sweeping changes, Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster have assembled quite possibly the greatest team in Toronto basketball history. Under the direction of first-year head coach Nick Nurse, the Raptors earned the second-best record in the NBA while they used those 82 games in preparation for this, the 2019 NBA playoffs. A quest for 16 wins begins now. It's game one, Raptors magic. It's exciting for all of us, you know, and just imagine how our players must feel, right? It's exciting for us all to see the, the playoff uh, intensity arrive. Wow, what a move, Pascal! Give him the MIP now! It's a new season. It doesn't matter what your series matchup was or whatever it is throughout the season. If you were 0-4 or 4-0 against a team, it's a totally different scenario. Evan Fournier. The French artillery with a throw down there. It's 94-92, magic by a deuce. Should be a good, a good fun series. And they're a good team, very long, athletic, and they disrupt a lot of things in the paint. So we have to be ready to attack once, twice, maybe three times, and, uh, and, and get ready to take the open shot. Timeout, Orlando. Kawhi Leonard, clear out. I'm going after it. Play the way we've played this last 31 games. I mean, that's what we need to do. I mean, that's why you have a plan from the beginning of the year. Hopefully something that fits your team. Here's DJ. Finds Aaron up top. Gives it right back to Augustine. Kawhi, the claw, right up on him. Defensive player of the year twice. Arms extended. Augustine, five to shoot. He's got to find something. He will. Three ball straight away. And jump it's in. How about the little Longhorn? Triple try. Yes, sir. Magic lead 104-101. Three seconds left in the game. Timeout, Toronto. Me not scoring any points doesn't mean I didn't affect the game. So that's why, you know, the mental game doesn't really matter. You know, for me, I played the game the right way, missed some shots, and, you know, we lost, so it looks worse. Well, this is a familiar feeling, fellas. Donovan Bennett here with uh, two guys who I'm going to need, I think, maybe some some mental support for as I try to unpack what happened in the first game of the first round for the Raptors. Once again, they dropped the first game. And you guys were down there, so introduce yourselves. And what were your initial impressions covering game? It's important to uphold traditions, man. <laughs> you want me to say my name? Yeah. Wait, do I have to do your job for you now, <laughs> yeah, too? Like, what, are you that checked out right now after the loss? Is I that am, it? I am. You can't even hold up your end of the bargain? No, I'm the Cal Lowry of this podcast <laughs> right now. <laughs> Shots fired early. <laughs> Arden Zwelling, I work for Sportsnet with Donovan. Uh, yeah, it's important to uphold traditions, man. It's very important to keep doing things that have been done for a long, long time. Joseph Cacharo, the score. Um, happy to be joining the pod. Not happy I didn't get an introduction, but... Uh, yeah. Jeez, yeah, I promised an introduction. Can this team, this franchise, as a top seed, top two seed, home court advantage, ever have a first round series where they're not entering like game two or game five facing an existential crisis? Why can't we have nice things as a as fan base, as a basketball community? And so, full disclosure, I had the conversation with Danielle Michaud, Faisal Kamisa, Jesse Rubinoff going into the playoffs saying, is this year going to be different? Two questions we asked. Is this year different? And what defines success for this team? It is defiantly different this year because you have a guy that has won in the finals before, in Danny Green, and then you have Kawhi Leonard as well, by the way. So you have two guys that have actually been there and back that play for your team that are major contributors. It is 
defiantly different. It absolutely has to be because this is the best team that the Raptors have ever put on the court. And therefore, there needs to be and will be a different result. I have full confidence we're going to see a completely different playoff performance. Had the conversation before that with Tyler Ennis. I think you're going confident if you're the Raptors. Obviously, I think Vucevic is their main piece, but that's why you brought in Mark Gasol. That's why you have Ibaka. That's why you have these big guys. If I'm the Raptors, I don't think I'm too worried. But, uh, you know, obviously it's the NBA. You could uh, see any team beat any team on any night, but I think the Raptors are just too deep, too experienced, and just a lot better uh, from top to bottom than the, the Magic are. Everyone was like, it's different. Kawhi's here. Danny Green is here. The coach is different. All of those ghosts from the past are gone. And I kind of said, I don't disagree, but we said that last year because they had changed their style of play. We said that the year before because P.J. Tucker and Serge Ibaka came at the deadline and gave them some toughness. Like We've said that before only to find out that it wasn't different. Last year it was the Cavs. Oh, they're vulnerable. LeBron, they look like they barely beat the Pacers. So is it different, and this is just one game, or are we having the same conversation with the same team? It can still be different, I mean, depending on the way it goes, but I think it almost has to be different because if it's not different, if we're admitting that it's the same thing, then at that point we're just admitting that if you put a Raptors jersey on, you're like <laughs> doomed to, because for real, like if yeah. it has to be different because the team is so different. They've got Kawhi Leonard, they've got Danny Green, they've got Marc Gasol, they've got, I know Nick Nurse was here before as an offensive architect, but he's still a new head coach for this team. Like there's just too many things that are different for me to believe that it's still the same old Raptors. Like, it can't be. Well, look at the starting lineup that started Game 1 against the Wizards last year. Is one guy left, Kyle Lowry, right? And, of course, he's still the topic of discussion, right? right? But he's the one guy left. So, of course, it's different. Every playoffs is different. So is he the common denominator, the central issue? He's the problem. Issue? Well, is, well, no, I mean, honestly, <laughs> because if we look at Kawhi Leonard, played well. The miscommunication. Um, he didn't play enough. Well, that's another part of a conversation that we'll get to, but... Kawhi played well. Pascal, are the lights going to be too bright for him? He had his worst true shooting percentage against the Magic than any other team this regular season. Played outstanding. 42 minutes, he arguably was their best player. Lowry, in game once as a Raptor, 10.8 points, 31.7 from the field. Three-point percentage is 19. The team's record is 1-9. And And when you look at game ones in the first game of a series, those numbers actually go down even a bit more. It has to be mental, no? Because he was getting shots that he normally would make. There's nothing like scientific behind like the game ones being strung together year over year over year. So I, like, I can't get behind that because there's just nothing there. Are you arguing that Cal Lowry also did not play well against Orlando in game one? He I played saw, well. Did he, though? I think, See, I think I, he played well. Good I, basketball game, shoot, bad shooting night. Can shoot you well. play well and score zero points? <laughs> yes. And, and... The opposing point guard, who seven years ago when he was a Raptor, a Raptor for 10 days. Seven years and eight teams ago. Right, yeah. but that's the point. He's a journeyman, goes off for 25 on your head top, but not even really 25 on your head because he was scorching you so bad they had to take you off of him and put Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard on him. Can you play well when that is the case? You can play well and not score. Yeah. You can have a good basketball <laughs> game and a bad shooting night. That's what Kyle Lowry had. Yeah, you can be a good complimentary player yeah. and have that game. Now, if he was the number one option for this team, that's obviously a problem. If Kawhi had zero points or even Pascal at this point was scoreless, I think that's a bigger problem. And look, it's obviously a problem. Like They need some semblance of individual offense from Kyle Lowry for sure. I'm not saying they're going to win this series if he goes scoreless, but I still think it is possible 
in his role at this point to have a scoreless night and still have a solid night, if that makes sense. So I tweeted, you know, he's 0 for everything, but he was plus 11. I don't really know what to make of this game. And I was just hammered. Yes, you do. He played bad. But you guys are saying the opposite. Do we have to do this every year? Do we have to hold people's hands through <laughs> I the little yeah. stuff yeah. beyond yeah. like the I, point total? Apparently we is, do. But is right? it, These but Muppets? Is but do is we it have little, to? though? Joe, you called him a complimentary player. He's making $31 million. Well, so at what point do I need you to be a star player no, okay. for this team to get to when what I say, they need to get to? When I, Forget about the Magic. They may struggle to win in seven, or they may kill them to win in five. But regardless of what happens in this series, if they don't go to at least the conference finals, this year's a disappointment. And I'm not sure if they can with Lowry as a complimentary player. Is that fair? That, no, that, that is fair. And when I say complimentary player, I don't mean like he's just like a role player now. I mean, he's not, he's not needed at the same degree, to the same degree he was in years past. I think that's evident. Just because Kawhi's that good, I think Pascal's taken enough of a step where I think you saw it on Saturday too. Like Pascal can realistically be a secondary option on a good playoff team with, you know, thoughts of contention. So that's what I mean when I say complimentary player. I think in offensively, Larry can be your third or fourth option and you can be good. But you yeah, you do need him to score. Give me one bucket. Hit those two free throws and we're probably not talking about this. Well, hit one of those wide open threes. Exactly. And the game's tied. Right? Yeah. Hit two of those wide open threes. It's a completely different yeah. narrative. We're talking about how sensational Pascal Siakam yeah. was, right? And how he's the finally they have that third option and they don't just have to rely on two guys anymore. Like I feel like people don't watch Kyle Lowry the right way. Like you can't just watch the box score. Like isocam Kyle Lowry, right? Take five possessions and just isocam him, whether he has the ball or not, and just watch all the little stuff that he does. And I get that people get really like pissed off and tired of us saying things like this. Like, watch little stuff. He's contributing without scoring, but watch the little tugs, you know, on guys' little pulls. Like, watch him just get in one the guy's little, way. The little smack on MCW's face that <laughs> breaking his nose. <laughs> it was not a little smack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. watch you know, watch him just kind of get in the guy's way and open yeah. up a teammate. Watch the the space he fills. Watch the way you know he he anticipates. Like, he is one of the smartest guys out there. He really is. He had a weird defensive game to me where. Yeah, like Donovan said, he he got torched by DJ, but I thought he was good in other areas defensively. Like there was a couple times where Aaron Gordon had him on a mismatch in the post, and it was like the typical oh, some big guy thinks he can back down Lowry, and they threw it to Gordon, and they like explored that for maybe two bounces and then kicked it out, and yeah. those possessions ended in like a DJ Augustin fadeaway that bricked. So there was like little things he did on the defensive end where again it's not going to result, it doesn't result in a steal, it's not a block. You look at his individual matchup and he gave up 25 points. But then there were these like little things defensively where you're like, okay, that possession just went to hell for Orlando because their first option, which was obvious, yeah. post up the little guy that's got a disadvantage, didn't go well. But I feel it, like teams aren't falling for that anymore. He's been doing it for so long, right? right? Yeah. Like, and I feel like teams are now like, no, don't yeah. post up Kyle which, is, which is what happened those two yeah. times with Gordon. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that your observation was, well, he was holding his own in the post against Biggs. When I was watching, my observation was he was getting stuck in the post against Biggs because he couldn't stay in front of his man yeah, on the perimeter and was getting caught on the switch. And when you look at that Jonathan Isaac late corner three, how did it get there? Kyle couldn't keep his man in front of him, got stuck in the post. Now all of a sudden you have Gasol guarding on the perimeter. Cut off by Gasol. Kawhi is looking to overhelp, swing, swing. Isaac wide open in the three. And so even though if you isolate and as Arden says, just watch Kyle, 
you may say, all right, well, he's actually doing a good job using his big ass in the post. But sometimes not being able to stay in front of your man compromises the defense in ways, and it's a triple effect. That, to me, is what I worry about. And we're talking about this with DJ Augustine, not with Kyrie Irving, right? Like, not with Ben Simmons coming down at you full speed. But do you expect him to continue that, really? DJ Augustine, do you expect him to just be lights out every game of this series? No, I think DJ Augustine, to his credit, is actually better than a lot of people who probably didn't watch the Orlando Magic all season or even the last couple. Like, you look at his numbers the last couple of years, he's not going to blow you away with his points, his assists, but he can shoot the lights out. Like, he's over 40% from three. His true shooting percentage is over 60 the last two years. So, like, the guy can shoot. If you give him space, he's going to make you pay. He hit some absurd exactly. shots. He's not hitting game. those all series. But yeah. He, yeah, he has been the last couple of years shooting over 40% from three, which is why, and maybe one of those people who didn't watch him was Nick Nurse, which is why <laughs> mid-game they had to change their coverages on him. And late game, there was, we've all heard the sound, the miscommunication between Gasol and Kawhi. And there was a mistake uh, made on, on that play. We miscommunicated, that's, uh, and, and he made a, hell, I mean, a good shot. Um, okay, so people say, well, is Kawhi not locked in late game? I don't think that's the case. One, I think Gasol and Kawhi probably haven't been in that situation a lot for two reasons. It's normally Kyle Lowry is guarding the point guard. That wasn't the case, but also because they haven't necessarily played together a lot. And so that shared understanding, forget about the verbal communication, just looking at someone's body language and knowing what they're going to do. And Gasol realizing, I don't care what we said in the timeout, I can't drop this much because I understand what, what Kawhi is doing. That was my biggest fear with this team, is their understanding, that shared relationship on the floor. And the Magic, do they have more talent? No. But for a month, a month and a half, they've been playing playoff basketball because they had to just to get here. Now, again, should the Raptors lose to the Magic? No. But are these maybe smaller issues that could become larger as they go f- deep in the postseason that's an unspoken communication like that's not there's no verbal there it's i understand what the other guy's going to do because i've played with him a lot and these guys haven't played together a lot and we talked about coming in right like is that lack of floor experience between some of these lineups and some of these players going to impact the raptors in a really crucial spot well it did in game one it's exactly what happened but there's a million reasons before that like we focus on that one play because it happened in the final four seconds there's a million reasons before that that the raptors lost this game yeah, I do think the the ironic part and the, the disappointing th- part for Raptors fans is probably that these two guys more than anyone else, you know, no disrespect to Danny Green, but Kawhi Leonard and Marcus Saul are the reason you could have looked at this roster and been like, okay, those playoff demons are gone because these guys, Kawhi's a finals MVP. Even Marcus Saul, though he's never played in the finals, is like a proven playoff performer that's really smart on the floor and you can trust in those situations. And in the end, the one play that everyone will remember, not the reason they lost, but it's the one play everyone will remember, it was those two guys combining for this defensive mistake. And that kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning, where it's like, okay, they're not the same old Raptors, but yet somehow (laughs) they lost in a very same old Raptors way with Kawhi Leonard and Marc Gasol, of all people, combining for this very uncharacteristic mistake. But one play earlier, Kawhi doesn't go early enough, so they don't get the two for one, which was a really brutal error as well. And they still create the open look for Gasol in the corner, and that ball was so in that net before it came out. That was the most in and out, in and out you're going to see. Lowry sets a screen. Kawhi finds Gasol open three. I mean, that changed the whole game, too. Nobody's talking about that play. The Raptors should have gotten a two-for-one there, and they didn't. I think that's a pretty brutal error. That's true, and I'm not actually even sure 
Gasol should have been on the floor for the last possession. I don't know, given the way DJ Augustine was forcing the switch nonstop, if Serge Ibaka would have been a better player in that spot. Or even if you want, go super small and have Pascal at the five. Do you get in trouble with maybe Vucevic in the post? Sure. I would live with that in a short time scenario and overhelp and force him to make a pass. All of that being said, if the coach is the same, I think the conversation is same old Raptors, same old Dwayne Casey with his rotations, with his usage of Kawhi Leonard. But we're not necessarily having the same conversation with Nurse. Maybe we should. I think we do. And I also think you're... Greatest strengths can be your greatest weaknesses. And if we look at the difference between Casey and Nurse, playoff times people felt Casey was a little bit too stubborn. He was a little bit too late to change and react. And I think in the case of of Nurse, I feel like the entire mad scientist thing has jumped the shark at this point, and he's trying to get too cute. I don't know. OG Anobi not available. Fine. Could Jody Meeks play in his minutes to keep the line the same? Sure. Or how about you just play Kawhi Leonard more than 33 minutes, right? Like Jody Meeks was plus four only behind Kyle, who was plus 11. But I would have loved to see Kawhi not play 33 or even his average of 34. Why didn't he play 40? I mean, Pascal played 42, so it's clearly you have no issue with riding your guys. I just wonder at some point if the scrutiny on the coach should be a little bit higher. I think it's there already, to be honest with you. Maybe not to the level it was on Dwayne after six, seven years, however long he was here. But I, I do think you're starting to hear some scrutiny of Nurse, and especially after Sunday's game. Kawhi only played 33 minutes. That's unacceptable. And he was asked about that uh, in his post-game presser. All season with Kawhi, it's been in given games, he's had his minutes run way up. It's more been game to game. The management, 33 minutes tonight. Is Was there a reason for that, or, or, or mm-hmm. could, could he have gone more? Uh, no reason for it, and yes, he could have he could have went a little bit longer. I think um, it just the stretches were okay there. I think uh, with him out and and I uh, liked I liked what was happening, so got him in. Uh, we we put him up there a little bit earlier in the fourth, but the clock didn't stop until until the a timeout. So that was another another factor a little bit that had him a little low. But yeah, I looked at it too, and I thought we should should have him out there a little bit more. But I think. Uh, uh, once I go back through it, it's it's not going to be... It wasn't by design to play him under 35 minutes or any of that kind of stuff. Art and I were in the locker room, and Kawhi was asked about it after the game, and Kawhi said... Um, yeah, but, you I mean, uh, we could have won a game with the minutes with, with, uh, that I played. But, um, obviously, uh, you know, I'm ready to play more minutes if uh, need be. I don't really know how it happened. Now, I, I don't know. Is Does Kawhi need to be the kind of superstar that sometimes gets crapped on by media and the kind of superstar that goes to his coach is like, I'm going in the game. I don't care what you say because there are stars like that. Or does Nurse just have to not even let it get to that point and say, we're going to ride you for 40 minutes tonight? I, I don't know. You know, we talk about some of those shots that didn't go in. If Marcus All hits that shot, if the Raptors win, like, I don't know. Are people sitting there? I wouldn't. But are there people sitting there thinking like, wow, Nurse managed to get that win and held Kawhi under 34 <laughs> minutes and they're keeping him fresh? Like, I don't know. Would the story be different if they had won by four? See, I would love to keep him fresh by sweeping the seven seed <laughs> yeah. as a two. I agree. And resting for the second round when it's going to get real. And I don't think you're just playing the magic right now. I think you're playing the field in the East. And any bit of advantage, whether it's rest, advanced scouting, I think that's real. So if this series drags on for six or seven, 
yeah, you win, but I think that's a net loss if the goal is to get to the finals for the first time ever. But I don't think it was a rest thing. I mean, it was just purely game flow. There's a couple situations where Kawhi was standing at the scorer's table for a while because there wasn't a break, and I'm not excusing Nick Nurse. He had to have him in there more. And I bet you in game two, you're going to see 38 minutes from Kawhi Leonard at least. But you got to remember, Orlando's really well coached as well. And Orlando was doing a lot of things to disrupt what Toronto wanted to do. I mean, like, look at the Raptors knew what Orlando's strengths were coming into this, right? They knew length in the paint. They knew they were going to clog things up. And we still saw entry passes to the paint and Toronto having trouble in there. We saw two lazy entry passes being picked off. It's inexcusable. And one of them was at the end of the first quarter, which is... You know, I don't want to get too much into like the momentum swings, but yeah. one of them, the Raptors were up seven and had the ball to end the first quarter, and the crowd was getting up, and you're like, all right, this was like a really good first quarter to build on. And I think Fred Van Vliet was throwing an entry pass to Powell sends it over to Van Vliet. Van Vliet has knocked down two big threes. And Ross knocks it away. Two on one. Siakam hustling back. And Terrence Ross intercepted, and it was just a lazy pass. And Ibaka hadn't done a good job sealing his man either. And next thing you know, Orlando's going down the floor, and it's only a five-point game. And I know it doesn't sound like much. You're only up five. But you could have been up nine or ten going into the second quarter and had really, like, sealed the deal on that first quarter. And I don't know. It was just these, like, little things that added up over the course of the game. that just they didn't look their sharpest. Little things on the margins. You knew that about Orlando coming in. Like, you knew you couldn't yeah. throw that pass coming in. We talked to everybody about it afterwards, like what it was like in the paint. Why'd you guys have so much trouble with length? And Pascal Siakam said it. He said, we knew that coming in. Like, we came planned for this, and you still had trouble with it. All right. You guys have adequately walked me off the ledge. <laughs> I am a bit more comfortable until... You know, at the first TV timeout, they'll be down six, and then it'll be a catastrophe. Again, we're going to take the break now. When we come back, we'll have a positive spin on this conversation. What about this Raptors performance did you like moving forward? That's next on Free Association. time of year in sports playoffs are here and if you're looking to live stream the home of the nba in canada sportsnet now might be the product for you it's available to anyone over the internet sportsnet now gives you 24 7 access to sportsnet's channels including content not available on tv you can stream on the go or at home on your big screen from the most popular devices including smartphones and tablets apple tv xbox and what i use chromecast Sign up for as long as you want and listen, you can cancel whenever you'd like. Live stream the Raptors and other NBA playoff matchups all the way to the NBA Finals. I think the Raptors might be in the NBA Finals. You also get over 500 NHL games, the MLB postseason, and the entire World Series. And the Blue Jays probably won't be in that. Plus, the Premier League and much more. All you ought to do is visit snnow.ca. That's right, snnow.ca for more details. All right, so the sky is not completely falling. Winter isn't coming totally yet, although in this country it feels like winter right now. I do not think that the level of panic should be at the level of the Philadelphia 76ers. I actually think the Raptors performed better than the Celtics did, and the Celtics won. Agreed. 
So having said all that, what from the playoff version of this team that, that you've now seen for the first time has you feeling good about their prospects in this postseason long term? Uh, well, I think one thing is we talked about a little bit with Pascal Siakam looks like he's made for this. You know, there was no no signs of like rust or shying away from the spotlight of being one of the go-to guys. And especially against like Jonathan Isaac has pretty much dominated Pascal all season and he still made it tough for him. I think if you look at his like points per individual possession, it was under one, which isn't great, but he still fought through that, managed to get whatever he had, 24, 25 points, eight or nine rebounds. So I think that's one. Like Pascal looks like he'll be fine. Kawhi hit a couple clutch jumpers. And again, I think if you look at the way they played with Kawhi in the game, if he's playing 38 minutes a game, I don't think they're definitely not losing this series and it's going to be hard to beat them. One thing from this series, so Orlando's very conservative in the way they play. It's like a, a trademark of Steve Clifford teams. They don't allow you to get out in transition because they don't turn the ball over. They basically punt on the offensive glass, even mm. though they're athletic enough to go after it because all they care about is getting back in transition. And watching it for the first like live, I was thinking, wow, they're doing a great job of that again. We haven't seen any of those like Larry Siakam passes. But then I did like a condensed rewatch, and Nick Nurse talked about it as well uh, yesterday, where the Raptors actually did get out in transition more than we realized. It was like more than 23% of their possessions were in transition, which is a pretty high number. So it, little things like that that make me think, okay, they're still doing things right. The process is still right. They got a lot of open shots. They defended really well. And if they play that same game multiple times, I think they win it more often than not. So I think those are the positives. Yeah, they kind of made that little adjustment halfway through, started setting those kind of quick screens, like half court with guards and getting early switches. And that helped them in transition. Yeah, they weren't that bad in transition. The Raptors weren't that bad. When you kind of look at all the stuff on the margins, you look at assist rate and, and all kinds of stuff, like Raptors were fine. They just lost a competitive basketball game, right? You know, DJ Augustine went off. You kept Vucevic contained for the most part that's huge that's the guy who coming in everybody was like oh how are the, you know what are the Raptors going to do against him is Marc Gasol quick enough you know is Serge Ibaka going to get out to the to the line and take away his threes I mean he wasn't a big factor and Siakam beating like Jonathan Isaac who's still going to be a big problem in this series I think but Pascal Siakam winning that kind of what is to me the most interesting matchup in this series is definitely encouraging. Fred Van Vliet. I look at him, and you kind of have the opposite conversation with Lowry. 14 points, hit three threes, minus 16, struggled to run the offense in that second unit. And the biggest problem the Magic posed for me coming in was the matchup with Isaac and Siakam. But also, they're so long, so athletic. It's really tough to justify playing a two-guard lineup with Kyle and Fred and being able to get anything, either offensively or, or defensively. When Lowry was struggling, I was thinking to myself, please take him out of the game and put Fred in. Because based on tracking it on my phone, it seemed like Fred was playing that much better. But when you look at the game again, it's not necessarily the case. What's your appraisal of the way he played in game one? I don't think he was great, but I, I think opposite of Lowry, I don't think the plus-minus really tells you... Like, I don't think he was that bad. He wasn't a minus 16 bad in a one-possession game. I think he was pretty bad during that stretch in the second quarter when um, it led to Orlando having a 30-7 to run. I think Fred was a big part of that, or at least the first half of that. But he hit a couple big shots for them. The problem with Fred, and, and so you just mentioned it, it's hard to play two guards against this Orlando team because they're so long. They're going to take a lot of your offense away. But the problem with Fred is that he's better with another guard on the court because he's not the... He's not the most like traditional floor general as like a pure point guard. 
He's better off the ball sometimes. He's just better with another guard in the lineup. This is also why when they traded DeLon Wright, why they went and got Jeremy Lin, because it was supposed to stabilize that bench unit and give Fred Van Vliet another ball handle. And then Lin played so poorly that they can't even justify going to him in the playoffs. But yeah, I think it's a problem for Fred in this series because I think he needs another ball handler on the court with him to to excel. And I don't think they're going to be able to do that. Lynn being unplayable is like a, it's going under the radar of like mm-hmm. how bad that is for this team, right? Especially like you take out OG and OB, so you take out another regular rotation piece. And now like you're talking about Jody Meeks, <laughs> like Jody Meeks, who was signed on like a 10 day yeah. twice this year, like a guy who any team could have had at any point. The Raptors were the only one who took him. I mean, like great shooter, you know, lots of playoff experience, you know, a guy's going to come in and give you really good minutes, but you don't want to be relying on Jody Meeks at this point in your season. Or waiting for Pat McCaw to come back, which yeah. like is actually a thing now. Like yeah. where it's like, man, they could use him right now. Like, <laughs> but if you were at the spot where you're playing Jody Meeks, why not play Jeremy Lin? Like, like if you're going to be that liberal, because you have been playing him down the stretch, and you saw how it went. Yeah, true. It's such an at indictment. least Jody can hit a shot for you. It's such an indictment about where he is, right? But just how bad he was down the stretch. I think when the Raptors picked up Jeremy Lin, like I remember writing, you know, buyout pieces and being like, "Oh man, if the Hawks bought him out," yeah. and it seemed like at the time that like they weren't going to, and it was like, "Oh, if Jeremy Lin was on the market." Well, he was, and the Raptors got him, and people expected, like, yeah, this is exactly what they need. This is going to be perfect for the second unit. It has been disastrous. To start, it was good, and then it just went straight downhill. It was almost like the more comfortable he got with the team, the worse he played, and really the worse his shot looked. It was tough for him, too, because when he showed up, the Raptors had zero point guards. He was just forced into this role that he wasn't brought here to do. Learn the offense, be a point guard. Like, remember his first game? Like, he came out afterwards saying, yeah, I knew, like, three plays. Yeah. You know, so he like there was a lot on his plate to Not begin ideal with. Ideal for the point guard, <laughs> but as things normalized, I mean, he was able to kind of shift back into the role he was here and meant to play, and it just never took. Yeah, and if you were playing Lynn and Van Vliet together, who's guarding off the ball is the question. Yeah, you can't you can't do it in this series. Like, yeah, the way Lynn's playing, you can't do it at all in the playoffs. But you especially can't do it against Orlando. To be honest, aside from. Lowry's field goal attempts and makes. And I actually think the attempts is almost more important than the makes because when he's coming off the pick and roll and not even looking at the basket, the offense is so bogged down. I think he needs to be aggressive and him pulling up in transition is when he is at his best. Besides the attempts and makes for Lowry, I think the rotation in the minutes is the biggest thing I'm watching in game two. What about you guys? Yeah, I agree with that. Kawhi Leonard finished fourth on this team in minutes (laughs) in the first playoff game of what might be his only playoff run as a Raptor. That's inexcusable. And he had six less shots than Siakam did. So a little less Norm Powell, you think? Is that what is that the solution? I mean, mean, where are those minutes coming from? I thought Norm was used a bit too much, and Ibaka never really found his his rhythm in the game. Although I feel like Ibaka's role in this series is far more defensive. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't need a lot from him on the offensive end, but I need him to not let Aaron Gordon be getting offensive rebounds regularly. You know, like, I need him to be getting out to the three-point line to guard against Vucevic taking threes. Like, that's what you need him. Anything on the offensive end is gravy, but you need more defensively from Serge Ibaka. Yeah, off the bench, Van Vliet, 27 minutes. Ibaka, 19 minutes. Norm Powell, 16. Jody Meeks, who was a plus four. Three minutes and 46 seconds. I mean, take those three minutes away from Meeks. Even I don't think Meeks did anything, you know, poorly. I think he came in and basically yeah. did his job. He got fouled, Took I think, a couple at one point. Attempts. He had the and yeah. one, 
where he attacked a closeout pretty nicely, like uh, off a corner three. But yeah, you take those three minutes away. You take some of Norm's minutes away. Norm, I thought, did a decent job chasing Terrence Ross around screens, but I don't think he did much else. You take some of his minutes away and the three from Meeks, and I don't know, there's five for Kawhi right there. But you got to find a way to get him up to 38 minimum. The, the Terrence Ross game is coming, by the way. I don't know when it's going to happen, but in this series, the Terrence Ross game will happen. Well, I promise. And it's going to happen in Toronto. So it's got to happen in game two, I, I guess. guess. Game two or, five. or game, game five. five now, because there's going to be a game five. Game five when the series is tied. Yeah. Put the magic up 3-2. Jesus. Oh, <laughs> Terrence, oh boy. 45 points. <laughs> this this Raptors series better be over before the Leafs-Bruins series. That's all I know. It's, it's a bad look for the Raptors if it's not. Thank you for this, fellas. I feel mentally much better about game two, although I may be uh, texting you with crying emojis throughout uh, game two. Before we let you go, uh, just let us know what you're working on. People can go check out a uh, mini doc uh, we at The Score just did actually with Austin Rivers. This is called a Score X series. It's just like 15-ish minute docs with players kind of narrating their own stories. So it's pretty cool. Austin talks about growing up in the shadow of being Doc's son and how he hated it. Just stuff behind the scenes of him and Doc. He talks about how he mended fences with Chris Paul in order to even get an opportunity to play for Houston this year. It talks about some of the issues in Washington, the ups and downs of the Lob City Clippers. So it's a pretty good piece. People should check it out. Nice. I'm with the Raptors through the playoffs. Man, me, Michael Grange, Jeff Blair, Stephen Lung, all kinds of coverage on Sportsnet.ca. You are doing double duty, going both ways, covering the Raptors and obviously doing a great job covering the Jays and doing a great job at the At The Letters podcast, one of the best podcasts we have here at Sportsnet. Your synopsis of the Blue Jays thus far for our Raptors fans. Can't hit. Pitching okay. <laughs> uh, look, man, wins and losses don't matter in this season, right? You just want your prospects to develop. Vlad Guerrero Jr. should have been here yesterday. Should have been here two days ago. Whatever the, It was Saturday, I think. The, the service time was no longer a concern, so he should have been up. Should be up now. I thought you were going to go Ty Lue from earlier this season. When It's not about wins and losses. It's about wins and lessons. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's smart. I think it's about wins and service time for <laughs> for this um, for this team. And lastly, before I let you go, I asked our previous guests, as I mentioned, for their definition of it. So I want yours. What is success for this team? For me, a successful year is Kawhi Leonard resigning for five years. Aside from hoisting the Larry O'Brien, which I do not foresee happening. Don't at me. I'm just being realistic. That to me is success. But what is success for you guys? Finals for the first time, conference finals, and not being dominated once again, a championship, what is success for the Raptors? NBA Finals. They're not going to win a championship. Golden State's too good. But NBA Finals. I've said from the start, I don't think Kawhi is going to resign here. Mm. But uh, compete for a championship in the finals against a team that's probably going to mollywop you. <laughs> yeah, get to the finals for sure. If Kawhi resigns with them somehow not getting to the finals, then I'd still consider that a successful season, but I, I don't know if that's possible. So I'm saying get to the finals. I'd consider that a shocking season. Yeah, yeah. for real. <laughs> get to the finals, and I do think they can present some sort of matchup problems for like a game and a half against the Warriors. <laughs> Patrick McCaw has got all the, he's got the playbooks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but Alfonso, Alfonso McKinney might have the Raptors <laughs> yeah, on the true. other end. Yeah. That's why he was brought in. See, I, I don't know how much the amount of wins they get in the postseason. This year is tied to what Kawhi does. I agree. I don't know if there's a correlation, good, bad, or indifferent. He got his ring. Yeah. Yeah. He's got he's his, his finals MVP. He's got his finals MVP. And similar to KD, I think that liberates you to make whatever decision you and, actually want to make. And clearly the money isn't as big a factor with him or else he would have never left San Antonio because he right. already left money on the table leaving there. Left yeah. money on the table with San Antonio, depending on what sneaker blog you read, left money on the table, not playing nice with the Jumpman brand. 
So yeah, I mean, I don't see him living a lavish lifestyle where he's spending most of the money that he's made. To be honest, not to be Debbie Downer once again, I almost feel like who he's playing with is going to matter more. And if I'm Kawhi Leonard, I'm looking across the locker room and like, this guy is such a headache for 82 games. And in the playoffs, he's 0 for 7. This guy being Kyle Lowry, I want to tie myself to him for the next probably year or plus. It's like uh, when you're dating and it gets serious and you're like, oh, I hope my in-laws are on their best behavior so that my, my partner doesn't have second thoughts. Hopefully, hopefully Pascal Siakam's the in-law, not yeah. Kyle Lowry after game one. True enough, true enough. We'll see. The reason why the playoffs are great is because this conversation will be totally different after game two because every game in itself feels like a series in itself. Thanks for breaking down what we've seen so far, fellas. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.